Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to, I don't even know what call number this is now, maybe six-ish on the principles that we're having with A Course in Miracles. And I was just saying before we hit record, we may be able to get through the last 15 of them because they are really starting to repeat principles we've already talked about. Um, But even as I'm looking at my notes and looking at the principles that are repeating, these are things that even today's chat and Facebook keep coming up and things that we need to be reminded about. So I think it's good that we're going through these and taking our time because if we start to really understand the basic concepts and basic principles behind The Course in Miracles, when we actually start reading The Course in Miracles, we'll start in a place where we actually have more of a basis and understanding about what some of these uh, principles mean or what some of the, t- the terms and the concepts are that are going on in the Course in Miracles. So let's start out, and I haven't done this on some, I've done it on some calls and I haven't done it on other calls, but I would like to start getting into the habit of these calls by doing the opening preparation. So wherever you are, just go ahead and take a nice deep breath and relax into whatever area you're in, um, if you can, if you're in a place where you can just sit or lay down or whatever you're doing, and just really relax in. And then I am going to read the opening preparation, and then just silently to yourself, I'll leave time. I want you to repeat the sentences that I'm reading so that we're all setting these intentions together. And I use the opening preparations from the Pathways of Flight uh, Spiritual College binders, as I call them. Um, And I feel like it really sets the whole tone for our calls when we start to practice the Course in Miracles. So again, I'm going to read this, and you just follow along just to yourself silently and repeat after me. I dedicate this time to healing my mind and awakening to my true nature. I surrender to the source of love within me and let it guide my way. As I do this work, I'm willing to be mindful of my thoughts without judgment. I am willing to look at the way I view my life circumstances as helpful feedback to show me where there is still a need to heal my mind. I am willing to take responsibility for letting go of limiting thoughts and beliefs that reflect separation and specialness. I am willing to let go of judgments about myself and others and see the innocence beyond the circumstances and events. I am willing to quiet my mind and ask my true self to take the lead. 
I am willing to let go of tension. I soften and imagine my true self leading me into peace. My aware self leads me as I now focus on healing my mind as I go through this course. All right, so that is our opening prayer. So with that, let's dive in. We left off finishing up number 35 in the principles last week. So again, just as a reminder, Chapter 1, Section 1, The 50 Principles of Miracles. And we are on number 36. And I know we have a few folks on the phone, so... What I've been doing um, on these calls is having you all read the actual principle and then I talk about it and that just gives me a break and also gives everyone a break from hearing my voice and have some different voices in there. So I will kick it off with number 36 and then if you are in a position where you can volunteer or would like to volunteer to read one, then when I'm done talking about 36 and ask for volunteers, consider jumping in for one of the next few. All right, so um, one of the things – oh, hi, Lorna. Welcome. Um, one of the things that uh, I talked about today was let's talk about the discussion on today's workbook lesson. So this actually comes up on number 36. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about number 36, and then we can add some of the workbook discussion to it. Um, as well as the opening preparation, not the opening preparation, the opening, what is this called? The prayer dedication of the Courts of Miracles, right? At the very beginning, only love is real. Um, nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. The hair and life, the peace of God. So that will also help with the lesson here. So I'm going to kick it off with number 36, uh, fold in the lesson conversation in there, and then it comes up again in number 50. Uh, which we may or may not get to today. We'll just see where we're, where we're at in about an hour. And just as a reminder, because I know we have some folks on today who I think this might be the first time you guys are able to make it to a live call. Like, I'm not sure about that. But if so, uh, just a reminder to how we're doing this is we spend about the first hour just talking about stuff, and then I stop the recording, and then I stay on. You you can stay on or not stay on, totally up to you. Um, but I stay on if anybody wants to just chat about any of this or their experiences or get advice or talk about anything. So we will go till about 8 p.m. Eastern for the recording, and then wherever we're at, we'll stop and stop the recording and take questions for um, however long you all need. But, you know, usually it goes anywhere between 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Okay, so with all that set up, let's jump into number 36. 36, miracles are examples of right thinking, aligning your perceptions with truth as God created it. So what we're talking about here, again, is the concept of right-mindedness and the opposite of right-mindedness, which you jump in to say wrong-mindedness, but the truth is that there is only one truth with a capital T. There's only one reality with a capital R whether you're able to see that at any given moment or not doesn't change the fact that truth is truth and reality is reality. What we're doing in this course is we're trying to align our body's eyes, our mind, the way we see things with this capital T truth, with this capital R reality. And when we forget and we're not able to do that and then we remember one of the things that I talk about all the time here because it's so big in A Course in Miracles, where we say, I'm willing to see it differently. I know I'm not seeing correctly. I have no clue how to get to the point where I'm seeing correctly, but I'm willing. I'm willing to see this differently. And just by doing that is when the miracle occurs. So the miracle occurs because we say, okay, I'm willing. And just that opening to something, we get that additional piece of information, that nugget, that inspired idea, a friend calls us and says, oh, did you hear blah, blah, blah? And all of a sudden, whatever we thought was happening, whatever we were sure, because our body's eyes saw it. We know for a fact it happened. We saw it happen. When we say, I know what my body's eyes are showing me. I know that person's guilty. 
I know those kids are starving. I know this terrible thing is happening in the world. I know it. I, I, can, I can see it. My own eyes are showing it to me. So I know it's happening. Without a doubt, I see what, what's happening. Then we say, okay, I'm seeing this happen, and I'm getting really upset at the person who's withholding the food or the person who's abusing or the person, you know, or, or the group of people or whatever it is. I, I'm getting so angry at them because I, I'm watching it. It's happening right in front of my eyes, and this is terrible, and i, I got to do something, and I'm, I, I can see it going on. And then we say, oh, gosh, I'm so upset, and I'm angry, and I think that person's terrible, and I don't think they're anything like me. I'm definitely not thinking oneness right now. You and my are nothing alike, buddy. You're bad. I'm good. I I don't have anything in common with you. And we let that oneness mindset go. <coughs> Excuse me. So then we say, oh, gosh, okay, this is not what I'm practicing. This isn't the way I want to think. I, I'm really upset. I'm, I'm judging this person, and I feel so justified. And there's no way I could actually stop judging the situation right now. It's that bad. And we say, you know what? I'm willing to see the situation differently. And that's where the miracle or the intercession comes in. So let's talk about the lesson today about God's world and seeing the the real world and what's going on over here. So in A Course in Miracles, it doesn't say, oh, look at the starving children and then tell yourself they're not starving. Everything's okay and go along your merry way. That is not, that's what Marianne Williamson likes to call that faux spirituality. That is not the lesson in A Course in Miracles. This is not, I'm going to pretend I don't see the bad things because I'm a spiritual being and I only believe in love and that's not love, so therefore it's not really happening and this is just a perception and blah, blah, blah. The Course in Miracles will say, yeah, that's true. That's not love. Therefore, it's not real. Therefore, it doesn't exist. And this is just a perception. However, what we're going to do is look at it, look at the pain, look at the event and say, this person is perpetrating this terrible thing on these other people. That's actually happening. I can see that happening. My body's eyes are showing me somebody cursing at someone, somebody withholding food, whatever, political situation, whatever situation, right? Somebody in the office purposefully forgetting to tell me about the meeting so that uh, they get promoted and I don't, whatever. You know, I can see this happen. I know what's happening. This is not me just making up a story. But instead of saying that person's bad and that person's terrible and that person's nothing like me, you go, oh, that person, this is a cry for help. So you look at what's happening and you realize that you're looking at it through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of God. And when you look at something through the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of God, God doesn't say, oh, yeah, that that person over there, I created him and he's evil. But that person over there I created and they're lovely. God says, okay, I created all these people. They're all lovely. They're all wonderful. But that one over there is really hurt and is behaving very badly from a place of hurt. And they are begging and calling for help. And which one of us, the teachers, we're called the teachers in A Course in Miracles, which one of us as teachers are able to get to the level where we can see that and say, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think you're a terrible human being. I'm going to see what you're doing. I'm going to see that this thing is actually being created. But instead of seeing it as this terrible, horrible thing that's going on in the world, I'm going to see it as a call for help and know that just by focusing my mind on the love and focusing my mind on loving you, and asking for the miracle, and asking to see it differently, the action, the root cause, the starvation, the hurt, the pain, if I can see you as whole and one, that uh, consequence of your action will start to clear itself up already. So you don't say God allowed these people to starve to death. You say, I'm going to love the person who's creating the situation, and I know by doing that, the starvation situation will start to clear itself up if I connect to right-mindedness. So that's some of the things that we were talking about today in the Facebook, which is like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, where it got a little bit confusing, and I think honestly because of some of the stuff that I was putting out there in terms of this, and this is just our first step towards it, right? But we don't say, and, and you hear people say this, like, I don't know, why did God allow rapists to 
walk on the earth. Like, why does God allow that? And what Course in Miracles will say, no, God didn't allow that. Your inability to look at people's call for help allowed them to continue to behave in a bad way. So the more that you see people and instead of judging them and labeling them and doing all this stuff, the more as you can see them as one, the way that Jesus saw the lepers as completely healed, the more that you are able to do that, knowing that very few of us in a lifetime will get to the point where we'll actually be able to do that. And I would even go as far as to say, maybe in A Course in Miracles, I don't even know that that's, the expectation isn't that we become one with God and see everything the same way Jesus does. Um, but the expectation is by remembering the truth and knowing that we're not currently uh, remembering the truth and knowing that even though right now I'm not currently aligned to it, there is another truth, we get peace within ourselves. And from that place of peace, we can take action. From that place of peace, we can say, I see the starving children and I can do something about it. I see the racist and I can do something about it. I see this person at work who's treating me badly and I can do something about it. So that's kind of where that lesson goes from. So let me just pause there because I know we had conversation about that and take Questions, comments, thoughts? And I, I like what you said, Amina. You did that. That helps a lot because this one today was difficult. It was because, I mean, I never take, and somebody, y'all could have probably seen my comment on Facebook. I, I don't think about those horrible things. I try my best just to send love to them, but not really. I don't have those things on my Facebook page and, when something scrolls by about an animal being abused or a child, I just don't even look at it. So it was, it made me kind of look at it to think, okay, this is not real, but I see child abuse, but it's not real. It was, it was, it was interesting. It made me feel not great. Yeah. Because the thing is that when you do see somebody being hurt to say, Oh no, that's not really happening. I'm just going to do a love thing and it's going to be okay. That's not the way of A Course in Miracles at all. You know, you see someone being hurt and you say, excuse me, that is not okay. What's going on here? And let's fix it. But you don't make that person wrong, bad, evil, judge them. It's not that you don't say, hey, there's child abuse going on and and I'm not going to do anything about it because this is just a perception and it's not reality and this isn't a nightmare and blah, blah, blah. You stand up in that, but you stand up from the place of, I'm not going to make this about, you know what, if we just got rid, if we just killed that one man right there, then no kids would be abused ever again. It's just him. He's a bad apple. Let's get rid of the bad apple, and then we're going to be good to go. Which, if you think about it, is very much how the world works, right? The world's like, oh, how could that one person do blah, 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 and let's throw the book at him, and blah, and that will teach people. And what the Course of Miracles will say is, when people do things like that, it's a call for love. And if we can't see it as a call for love, we're not going to actually heal whatever's underlying that's causing that to happen. Other questions, thoughts, lesson 12 today? I always think this is Karen. Um, Hi, Karen. This is why our prison system is not working. Because we single out the person that did the wrong thing and then try to punish them rather than uh, giving them love so that they can change. Right, right. And the thing is that we want to start getting into the habit of seeing the behavior and the action as wrong action and not the person as a wrong person. Right. And that's the distinction. So, you know, we don't condone the behavior. We don't say, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to love you and then you can go kill somebody else. You know, no, it's, it's, I love you too much to allow you to get out there and kill somebody else. Right now, the only thing you know is how to hurt other people. And so because out of love for you, I'm going to remove you from these situations and put you someplace else. And I'm going to work with you until you realize that killing other people is not the way to go. Yeah. You're doing the same thing, right? And you can put them in prison, but you put them in prison from a 
You know what? Do you see what? It, yeah, exactly, Karen. It's the same behavior. You can do the exact same behavior we're doing today with a totally different mindset. Right. Instead of thinking of it as punishment, you can think of it as a way to teach us. Right. And in the meantime, they can be in prison so they don't hurt anybody else. Right. <clears throat> and this was... Sorry, go ahead. Who was going to say something? No, that was it. Okay. So this is the same thing that um, we've had calls to about other people, like, hey, there's somebody at work, and or not calls, uh, you know, comments. There's somebody at work, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, am I supposed to just sit and love him? It's like sometimes the most loving thing to do is to say, you you in this environment is detrimental to the people in this environment. So let me get you out of this environment so you can stop being detrimental to people. Remember how I think sometimes the most loving thing to do when you see your your partner, Karen, I think you shared a story with Jerry, when your mm-hmm. partner is losing it on you, sometimes yeah. the most loving thing to do is just get up and remove yourself from the situation and not sit there and take it and say, oh, I'm just going to sit here and take it and love you. No, sometimes the loving thing to do is say, you know, the most loving thing I can do for you right now is to get out of your way so you can't use me as your punching bag. Yeah. Right? So yes. love, love is not this, and that, I think that's part of what happens in a lot of the spiritual stuff. It's like, oh, I'm just going to love them. And it's like, maybe you can stand up and say, you know what, this this behavior does not work. This is not going to fly over here. And the most loving thing I can do for you is get help for you. Right. Right get somebody else to step in because I'm not I'm not able to influence you to change your behavior. So I need I need to get HR in here to get you whatever support you need so that you can stop hurting me. So you don't change the action per se. It might be the exact same step anybody else on the face of the earth would take. It's your intention and, and where you come from as, as to whether you see the person as somebody who's the same as you and is hurt and calling for help, or if you see the person as bad and terrible and deserving punishment. Is that one good for everyone? Anyone else have anything they want to say on that in the lesson for today? That was good, Amina. Thank you. You're welcome. I just want to say that was very helpful to me. Good. Thanks, Janice. All right, number 37, do I have a reader? I'll do it. You know All right, me. I'll always it. do it. Okay. A miracle is a correction introduced into false thinking by me. It acts as a catalyst, breaking up erroneous perception and reorganizing it properly. This places you under the atonement principle where perception is healed. Until this has occurred, Knowledge of the divine order is impossible. That's a long one. It is a long one. Thank you for reading it. <laughs> okay, so let's so let's talk about this. So this is basically miracles are are the correction, right? So the same stuff we've been talking about. My body dies. See something. This is terrible. This is horrible. It's so sad. I'm so angry. Whatever it is, I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see the situation differently. Boom, miracle. Oh my goodness. They they didn't they weren't even thinking about me when they said they did that horrible thing or they said that horrible thing. Oh my gosh, okay, my perceptions changed. It's a miracle. Right? So that's the the basic concept over here. Um when I talked about this in the last one too. So whenever we're seeing somebody or some action is bad or a person taking a bad action, the miracle mindedness, let's call it level two. So level one is what ego thinking, just our normal day-to-day, right? You you see somebody, they see you on the street, they say something mean to you, that person's terrible and rude and obnoxious, and I'm never going to talk to them again. That's level one. It's, it's the natural, like, why was he rude to me? He's such a rude person. I don't want to talk to him. He's dead to me kind of attitude, okay? Level two is like, wow, that person was really rude. 
that's a call for help. He is, he, he just needs love. I'm going to stay away from him. I'm going to send him love or I'm going to call the police, whatever is the right loving action, but it's, it's recognizing that it's a call for love. So that's what that miracle-mindedness is. And when we get into a place of miracle-mindedness, and I know um, you all have probably experienced this at some times in your life too, well, like you're just, you're good. You're so connected with God. You're so one with spirit in that moment or for that week or that weekend or whatever, right? You just have miracle, miracle, miracle. You're feeling pure connection, whatever. And somebody comes and says something obnoxious to you and you're like, that poor thing, you know, whatever. And you, it's like, and your friends are like, did you just hear what she said to you? And you're like, yeah, no, no, no it's, it's nothing, right? And it really, truly is nothing. And if that person had come and done the exact same thing to you a week before, you would have been like, fighting words would have come out. But in that moment when you're so filled and you're so connected and you're so one, right, you can see, oh, that's their bad behavior. I don't know. Wow, well, maybe she had a bad day at work. I don't know what it is. And you really mean it. Like, you're not just saying that. You really mean it. Like, they really were obnoxious to you, and you really are like, poor thing. She's obviously struggling. He's obviously struggling. Whatever. You don't even take it in. So level two is understanding it's a call for help. Level three is like, now I just got miracle-mindedness. Like, yeah, I know it's a call for help, and I'm not even, like, it doesn't even impact me. I just keep, I smile and say, oh, okay, have a good day, and just keep walking. And I don't call my friends and talk about it. I don't post about it on Facebook. Like, I've already forgotten three minutes after it happened because I'm not even seeing in that world. So those are the different kind of levels that we're working on. So most of us naturally, because of the way, because the Course in Miracles will say because we have an untrained mind, we're at level one 99.9% of the time. If we have a good day at work, we may be able to have a couple minutes in level three, um, but, you know, if three different people say something to us in level three, we're back to level one. That's, that's the majority of people, right? So we're trying to put in this sub-level, level two, where we're going, ouch, that hurts. I see it. I feel it. I'm willing to see it differently. I know it's a call for help. Somebody give me a miracle over here so I can remember that this is just a call for help and not have all of my... My ecosystems are ready to go. They are gearing up. I'm willing to see this differently so that I don't have my ego response. That's what we're putting in, and we keep doing that over and over and over and over again. The more we do that, level two, the more miracles we see, then we get to that level three part more often than not, which is miracle-mindedness, right? So we're there, let's say, 40% 40% of the time and level 1 to 60% of the time. And then we're there 47% of the time. And then we're there 53% of the time. And slowly and slowly we get more and more into that miracle mindset. So that's part of what 37 is doing. The other thing I wanted to talk about 30 and 37 are the words perception and the words knowledge. So in 37, my note says perception and knowledge. Okay, breaking up erroneous perception and reorganizing it properly. This places you under the atonement principle where perception is healed. Until this has occurred, knowledge of the divine order is impossible. So the opposite of perception in the Courts of Miracles, I would say, is knowledge. So knowledge is the truth with a capital T, is reality with a capital R. That's what we're talking about when we talk about knowledge. When we talk about perception, in that moment, it's the nightmare. In that moment, we've forgotten knowledge. We've stepped out. We've stepped out of uh, reality into the small r. We're in the ego place. And in one of these, I forget which one, in a couple over here, I'm going to talk about the whole ego cycle and how that works. So that's the opposite over here. So when you, what, what the miracle does is it shows, okay, I had, my perception was wrong. I see that. I I had an error in my perception. The miracle comes in, and it fixes that error in your perception. And then when the error is fixed in your perception, you atone, i.e. you forgive, because you realize there was nothing ever to forgive because your perception was wrong, right? So it's like the nightmare thing again. When I was, for example, I used to having a nightmare where Mike says something and then being like, the next morning meeting Mike to apologize for what he did in my nightmare and how silly that is. That's what the atonement is, right? So you get the, you have your response. You're willing to see it differently. 
you have the miracle. The miracle corrects your erroneous perception, i.e. you wake up from the nightmare that you're having. When you wake up from the nightmare, you go, oh, God, that didn't even really happen. That was just a nightmare. So you forgive the person, i.e. you atone. Atonement is just the forgiving because you realize that your perception was off in the first place. So now your perception is healed. You've atoned. And then once you have that atonement, you are now in a state of knowledge. You're now connected to divine right order, right thinking, miracle-minded thinking, thinking. And that is what that whole cycle is from going from perception to miracle to right order or knowledge thinking. So that's 37. Okay, somebody would like, would somebody like to read number 38? I will. Go for it. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the mechanism of miracles. He recognizes both God's creations and your illusions. He separates the truth from the false by his ability to perceive totally rather than selectively. Okay, so for anybody who has a Catholic background or the concept of the Trinity, um, the concept of the Trinity is that there is God, i.e. source, and then there's man, i.e. Jesus, representing what the Course in Miracles would say is Jesus represents the sonship, which is all of us. So when uh, when the Course talks about Jesus, it talks about, well, it talks about all of us, but Jesus being kind of the model. Jesus doesn't have anything that we don't have. He just doesn't have the one thing we do, which is the ego, ability to think with the ego. Jesus didn't have that. So for us to connect with right-minded thinking, knowledge, we have our go-between, which is the third in the, in the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. So there, I have read a number of different things in A Course in Miracles about how it refers to the Holy Spirit. So for the purpose of our session today, I'm going to tell you how I think about it, uh, but I want just you all to be aware that there are lots of different ways that it's, it's described and different ways that it's talked about. There is, uh, in Christianity and Judaism, there's this concept of the small, still voice for God. There's this concept of if you just sit there in a moment of silence and you connect with the oneness, right, God being love, love being one, you sit and you connect with oneness, you will get the answer you need. You'll get what do you need to do right here in this moment to be part of that oneness? And I call that small voice, that stillness, that divine thought, that uh, intuition you have, any of that, I call that the Holy Spirit. So I don't see it as kind of this thing, this third uh, person or persona or anything like that. I think of it as, uh, if you think of, you and I on a telephone and that there's an actual line that connects us, a telephone line that connects us, I think of it as that line that connects you. So you've got God, you've got humans, and we are not connected with God all the time because we have our ego and we're having a life experience and that's how this whole thing's set up. But anytime we can pick up the line, i.e. ask the Holy Spirit to intercede, and we can connect into the way God's thinking, into the right-mindedness and right thinking. We can connect to God using the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the analogy that works best for me and how I think of the Holy Spirit. So when it says the Holy Spirit is the mechanism of miracles, the Holy Spirit is that line that connects you to the right way of thinking, to God, to love, to oneness. And the reason that the Holy Spirit works is because the Holy Spirit can see Everything through God's eyes totally gets the oneness concept and the principle and love and also gets earth and gets the fact that that person really did just annoy you and you really are not having a positive work experience because of this human being. And so it's not, the, it's not Jesus like, oh, I don't even see that. What, what do you mean? Oh, does you ha- he has leprosy? I, I can't even see it. The Holy Spirit's like, okay, yeah, no, I, I see. I see how he's annoying you. And I see how that's a call. I see how he's annoying you, and I see how that's annoying to you. I also see how him annoying you is a call, call for love. I can see both through the eyes of God, and I can also see through your human eyes. And therefore, I know exactly what needs to be done to cause the miracle. I know exactly how to intercede and do explain to you like a mediator. Explain to you that perspective and that perspective. Here's the one piece of the puzzle you're missing, 
And if you understood that, which I'm going to reveal to you through a miracle, I'm going to give you that piece of puzzle, and now things start to make sense. So he's able to be to to separate the truth from falseness by giving you whatever that missing piece is, or um, you know, giving the other person the love that they need so that they turn around and go, I don't know why I did that to you. I just I must have lost my mind for a minute. Whatever it is, he's able to do that intercession. So that's really what 38 is talking about, the role of the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is the other thing I had in my notes about this. I also sometimes like to think of the Holy Spirit as me up on a mountain. Like if I were able to levitate up to the top of the mountain and see the entire situation in front of me, then I'd know exactly what to do. I kind of like to think of Holy Spirit as like the version of me that's on top of the mountain that can see everything and go, oh, that's what's really going on here. So that's the other note I have for 38. All right, 39. Karen, do you feel like reading? Sure. Okay, go for it. The miracle dissolves error because the Holy Spirit identifies error as false or unreal. This is the same as saying that by perceiving light, darkness automatically disappears. Okay, so this goes back to the opening, which I'm going to read to you all, okay? This is a course of miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. This therefore can be this course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. So in thirty eight we're coming back to thirty nine. Thirty nine we're coming back to this same concept over here of what is real and what is not real. And when it says this is the same thing as saying that by perceiving light, darkness automatically disappears. Well, darkness doesn't exist. Darkness is only the absence of light. It's not a real thing, darkness. So when you say, oh, there's no light, the light isn't on in here, therefore darkness has taken over this room, and from from the perspective of Course in Miracles, it would say just turn on the light, and then you're either with the light or without the light. But we've given that term without the light its own word, darkness, and given it its own story and its own meaning. And so that's kind of what this world is like. There, there is just one truth. There is just one reality. And when we have the lights off and we're not seeing that truth and we're not seeing that reality, we start to give that all kinds of words and meanings and definitions and all that stuff. When in reality, in that moment where we walk in and we go, man, there is no light in here, that's, that doesn't work for me. All we're supposed to do is instead of give it its identity and all this other stuff is just turn on the light. And that's what A Course in Miracles is saying over here as well. It dissolves the error because all it's telling us to do is turn the light back on to see through the eyes of truth. All right, number 40. Leslie, you want to do this one? Okay. okay, I'll be glad to. The miracle acknowledges everyone as your brother and mine. It is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God. Oh. So this one's pretty straightforward over here because the miracle um, goes from what the miracle corrects is the perception of separation, and it changes it into the concept of one. So what this is saying is the miracle acknowledges that we are really just one, your brother and mine. And it's a way of reminding us of the oneness that we share with God. And that's really all that this one is saying. It gets us back to, uh, well, this is going to lead into number 41. 40 and 41 kind of go hand in hand because it's going to get us back into the concept of wholeness. So let me go ahead and read 41 just because 
my notes kind of for these two are, are connected with each other. Wholeness is the perceptual content of miracles. They thus correct or atone for the faulty perception of lack. So this is where um, I was talking a little bit earlier about the ego, what I'm going to call this the ego cycle. So the way that the ego works and the ego cycle works, so there's the, there's the ego thinking and then there's miracle thinking. Miracle being oneness, ego being separation thinking. So the way that the ego works is it says, because it's separated from everything else and it doesn't have that connection or that oneness, it says something's missing. There's a lack. Ego thinking is lack thinking. There's a lack. Something's missing. And the ego's going, I don't know what's, I don't know what's missing. Something's missing. I, I'm missing something. I'm not like everything else. I, I'm missing something. And that fear of missing something makes them feel like, well, I've got to protect myself because I don't want Leslie to know I'm missing something. I don't want Janice to know I'm missing something. I don't want Karen to know I'm missing something. If they find out that I'm missing something, then they have something over me. They, they, can, they can hurt me because I'm missing something. So I've got to protect myself. And if Karen says anything, that indicates that she knows I'm missing something, or that I'm going to defend myself because I cannot let Karen know that I'm I'm missing something. So it's this really like I mean, think about it. Think if you were totally separated and on your own and completely alone. It's terrifying. So ego thinking lacks something's missing. Got to protect myself. Okay. Well, then somebody says something to you, and you go, Oh my gosh, they know, and you perceive whatever they say as an attack. You perceive them as saying, you know what, you're kind of missing something. And you go, I'm not missing something, you're missing something. And you attack the other person. Now, you're the one who did the attack because you're not, in reality, you're not even missing anything. But because you feel like you're missing something, think about law of attraction and kind of the eyes, the way your eyes are seen. You think you're missing something, so now you think everybody around you, you're attracting that. So everybody around you comes up to you and you hear through your ears, you're missing something, you're missing something, you're miss- like everybody's often telling you you're missing something. Now you got to protect yourself, right? So now you go and attack. And you're the one who now actually goes and attacks. You are so hurt and so scared that you go and attack somebody else because that's your woundedness, your call for love. I'm so hurt, I'm so scared, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to push you away as hard as I can. Now you've attacked, bam, you're left with guilt. And now you're left with guilt because you're the one who attacked. And so now all of a sudden you go, oh, gosh, I just attacked that person, and now I'm guilty. And, and then the, the cycle repeats itself because you go, well, I just attacked them. Now they're going to attack me, and, and they deserve to attack me because I'm, I'm guilty because I attacked them. And now they're going to attack me, and bam, we're in that ego cycle over and over and over again. So that is what I would call not being cool right? That, that would be the unwhole. But what A Course in Miracles says is you're one with everything. You're one with God. You're one with every single person. What is there to protect yourself from? Why would you protect yourself? Like, you know, Course in Miracles will, uh, or I don't, I don't want you to know if it's in the Course in Miracles or if I just heard Marianne Williamson say it, but she said if you think of, you know, all of humanity as a hand and your pinky finger does something silly, you don't say that's a crappy pinky finger, I'm going to chop it off. Hate that pinky finger. Because you can see that's your pinky finger. It's your hand. We're all one. We're whole. I'm not going to chop off a piece of the whole. Why would I do something like that? Makes no sense whatsoever. So that is the concept of wholeness. And miracles help you to remember that we're whole. They help you to remember everyone's your brother. They help you to remember the oneness, the universal mark of God. The universal mark of God is symbols and symbolism um, can also be referred to under that. So, you know, shows you the signs of that oneness thinking and the way that oneness works. So that is what the wholeness is. And they, they correct this perception of error, this perception of separation, this perception that you need to protect yourself, this perception that you were not whole to begin with. And I really just, I think I'm going to pause here and I'll take questions on this one too. And I really want you to just, before I take questions, I just want everyone to close your eyes for just a moment because I want this, this is huge. This one is huge. And, I, and this whole ego cycle is huge. So I want this to just sink in for a moment. If you knew for a 
fact, no doubt whatsoever, that you are 100% complete, 100% whole, not damaged in any way, shape, or form, perfect, and that every life experience you're having is 100% perfect because you're already 100% whole and you're completely complete. And everything that's happening at work and everything that's happening with your family and everything that's happening in your relationship and everything that's happening in your bank account and all of the, none of it could even lightly touch you because you're already perfect and whole and completely complete. And if you knew that without a doubt, would you still be living and doing the same things that you're doing right now? Would that change your behavior at all? If you really knew without a doubt that you were whole, whatever your bank accounts are, whatever your job is, whatever your best friend said to you yesterday about the fact that you didn't look flattering in that dress, whatever it is, if you knew for a fact that you were completely whole, how would you have handled any one of those situations differently? Now, I just want you to reflect on that for just a moment. Choose the situation, knowing, see yourself as completely whole, not one thing wrong with you, nothing's missing. There's no lack of information. There's no lack of people who love you. There's no, nothing bad's ever happened to you. There's no lack in you whatsoever, 100% whole. And think of the situation and how might you have handled that differently, if at all, if you had known without a doubt that you were completely whole. I think I would have left because it was, I was thinking about somebody saying something bad to me. And um, instead of being upset about it and worried about what everybody else was thinking, I think I just would have laughed at the whole thing. Right? Or maybe even gotten up and given them a hug. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're like whole. I mean, nothing. There's nothing there. You can't even be offended. Yeah. And that's kind of, if you think about that, that's kind of, you know, when you think of the example of Jesus, that's what that is, right? I mean, you can offend the man. Exactly. Exactly. That would say, that would make life much more peaceful. And uh, it would be like, I think I would be like immune to having my feelings hurt and, and those little feelings of jealousy, not that I spend my life being jealous, but, you know, little twinges of jealousy yeah. or or I think I've been left out of something or, you know, I've not. All those little petty things that, that I always beat myself up about feeling that way, I wouldn't feel that way. You wouldn't even have it, right? I mean, you no. would just feel like, no. you know, if you got left out to something, I'm, I'm thinking about myself, right? I'm Mike's entire family is in town visiting, and they're all they're very different. But their, their idea of what's fun is different than me. Their idea of what's funny is different. I mean, it's you know, and I'm constantly like, hey, I don't want to, you know, don't want to say anything that, you know, sounds crazy because everything we're so different, blah blah blah. But I would just feel like if I knew for a fact I was whole, they would say, and I could say whatever I wanted to say because it wouldn't even make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't feel, you wouldn't worry about um, them not liking you. I wouldn't even said think something about dumb. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't right. think about, yeah, I wouldn't think about, you know, are somebody going to like me or someone's not? I mean, what difference? I'd be, I'm so whole. Why wouldn't they like me? I, those thoughts wouldn't even come into our head. Right. Can you guys right. imagine? Right. Right. It would be wonderful. But is that human? But I mean, is that, I mean, we're human. Can we be that? Well, so what A Course in Miracles, what I think A Course in Miracles would say about that, I don't know, I don't know 100% the answer to that. I don't want to say it's not possible for us. My interpretation and my understanding of it is that that's not the human experience we came here to have, right? I mean, that's like why we have left, you know, we would have just, stayed up there. We wouldn't even have come down here. So this isn't even the human experience that we came to have. However, so so getting there as our natural, like just knowing that all the time, nothing hurts you, nothing even affects you. You don't even have a, a blip on your brain when it happens. 
I I don't know if that's possible. I, I'm sure I'm sure it's possible for some people. I, I doubt it's possible in a mass amount unless you know that's our transition into another way of being as humans. However, I do think that it's possible for us to remember this, and therefore, when the thing does happen, and we do have the feelings, and our cycle does start, you know, going we can remind ourselves of this and get ourselves back to a state of peace. And it doesn't mean we didn't hear it and that we didn't acknowledge it and we have no clue it happened. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that we can remind ourselves and get back to peace. And I think that's what A Course in Miracles would say. A Course in Miracles, I believe, would say your only goal is to get back to peace. And if you, if, you know, you recognize, yes, I'm having these feelings, yes, this is happening, but you also recognize it's not real and you don't have to surrender your peace to it. Right. And you guys have seen this also, like, um, you know, thinking of an example of, like, a, a girl in junior high or high school, right, and something embarrassing, embarrassing happens to her and she's like, how am I ever going to live this down? And, you know, you're here in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age, right? And you're like, oh, honey, this will be old news. This will be old news by tomorrow, right? I mean, it's like it's so obvious. You, you have such a different perception, right? Mm-hmm. And you get, mm-hmm. you can, you totally understand, like, oh, that one's really, yes, that's a, oh, my God, okay, you got your period. Oh, God, yeah. You know, it's embarrassing. But you feel like it's embarrassing to you're in junior high, like, you know, like, like life moves on and this just becomes normal and not that big of a deal and, you know, it happens and that's the end of it, you know? You just have such a different viewpoint of it. You don't say, oh, it's not embarrassing. You just go, yeah, it's embarrassing and now it's over. Not a big deal. That's a good analogy. I love that. <laughs> that is a good, that is good, yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Because that's I like sort that of, too. <laughs> that's sort of the way it's happened for me because, you know, as I study this, this is a my third time around, and um, I notice that things don't bother me like they used to at all. And, and you know, you still feel that little pain of hurt every once in a while where somebody, you know, kind of steps on your toes, but it's so easy to let it go now because it's not it's not a big deal anymore. Right. And I think this is like all the work. I mean, you know, right now we're using Sports and Miracles in this call, but this is kind of all the work that we're we're doing together, right, is just to have that resiliency of like, you know what, I don't care what's going on. I'm okay. Right. I'm actually, I'm going to share with you all. um, We'll stop here and we'll pick it up at 42 for for next time, but I'll share, I'll share you with you all something. I was on a coaching call this morning, and here's what I'm, I'm working on on a personal level, so you all know that this will be something that we talk about here in the next few months, but I'm reading a book. I, I, y'all, it's in, in three days, I've gotten to chapter one because this book is like, like, you know, books that are just like that good, like that intense in, in the learning. So I'm reading a really good friend of mine wrote this book, Akshay, and it's called Fearvana. And the entire book is about how to, like, feel fear and use it to push you forward. And I, until I read this book, I was like, I mean, fear is like a four-letter word to me. And the minute you feel it, you have to do something, manage it, switch to love, block, like, Boom, 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 boom. And he's like, no, just sit with it and then use it use it as fuel to propel you. And by the way, I'm in chapter one, so I don't even know what he's trying to say about it, but that's, this is a concept he's introduced in chapter one. And it is blowing my mind to be like, what if I just became friends with fear? And you know what? I could do that if I knew I was whole. Because if I knew I was whole, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then nothing could really hurt me. So then I could play with fear, you know, like, hey, what what are you fear? Because I'm I'm whole, and so that you're not that scary anymore. And I was just like, wow. And so so you know, this is the new concept I'm I'm playing with. And as I'm playing with this concept, all of a sudden, and I've been getting emails about this, and, and so you know how all of that works in a miracle. 
often I'm like, oh, my gosh, I finally understand it's about the journey. Life is about the journey, not the destination. Mm. Like, it does not matter. If you don't like your job, you go get another job. You're still on the same journey. You're just on another physical location on that same journey. You're going to have the same life experiences. You're going to have to learn the same life. It doesn't matter. This job, another job, any job. This relationship, another relationship. Like, you just, you have to go through the process. You have to go through the journey. And for all of us to go, oh, my gosh, this journey sucks. I'm just going to go change the path I'm walking on. We don't realize, you know, I'll, I'll just change the destination. Forget going to Texas. I'll go to California. That'll solve it. And what we don't realize is it's just about the You go to California, you'll have a different set of experiences that still take you on the similar journey. Anyway, wrap your mind around that because that's what I'm working on personally right now. And I'm like, my mind, between these two concepts, my mind is just like, whoa. Like, wow. <laughs> I've heard all these things, you know, oh, use fear to propel, you know, make fear your friend and the life journey. Not that that's, I, how many times have I heard these things? But I'm like getting it at a different level. And I'm like, wow, that's really powerful. <laughs> that little quote is actually very powerful. <laughs> So that's sure awesome. We'll be talking. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure we'll be mm-hmm. talking about that. That book is on my reading list. I'm going to get to it. <laughs> Fearvana. Yeah, and you know what? I think um, so. You Joy Challenges in April, and I don't think we're going to do it in May. I probably do because I'm guessing that after Joy Challenge, um, we'll have some new folks in Adventures with Amina. So we'll probably do something kind of a little more lighthearted in May. But um, I'm thinking June and July we might do that book, Karen. So, oh, good. Yeah, so that'll help you get to it. Yep. So any other questions or comments about the principles we covered today? And then I'll stop the recording and we can just chat about anything anyone wants to chat about, including in chat. And I am, I am in chat myself. Okay. All right. So before I stop the recording, I just want to let you all know, and then anyone listening to the recording also know, next week I am traveling back to Washington, D.C. Actually, Jack Canfield coming on Thursday to D.C. So on Tuesday I'm traveling, Wednesday I'm setting up for the event, and Thursday's the event. So I think what I'll do with these last eight is I'll probably just do either record an audio or record a video with these last eight and send that out to the subscription members. So we'll do that for next week, and then we'll pick back up on Wednesday night the following week. So let me see what are the dates I can tell you all. So for the, the week, the 21st, which would be our next call, I'm going to go ahead and cancel the call on the 21st, and we'll replace it with a video with the last date. And then we'll pick back up on the 28th. Um, and I think what we're probably going to start doing on the 28th is work through a binder. So I'm going to look at what I need to do to get you all the materials for that. So you'll be getting emails and stuff from me to hear a little bit more about that. But we should be done by the 50, by the 28th, and then we'll we'll move into a new portion of A Course in Miracles. The other thing I wanted to tell you all is that I recorded a meditation. Ming and I, from Akino Ming-Chi, and I did uh, the uh, workshop out in California, and both the two of us kind of came up with this concept of the unknown, and then I just did this meditation, and it turned out to be really powerful. And so I just recorded that meditation and sent it out via email to you all today. It's 25 minutes in totality, which includes a couple of minutes at the end of just kind of music to relax into, um, and probably, I don't know, at least three or four minutes at the beginning of me just talking about what it is. So it's it's probably about a 20-minute meditation. Um, end to end. So if you get a chance, uh, definitely do that. People seem to really enjoy that and get a lot of uh, vibration lifting through that. So no call next week on the 21st. I'll talk to you guys all on the 28th. Look for the meditation. And I think that's a wrap. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording and then we can talk about anything anyone wants to talk about. Any questions about the logistics stuff before I end the recording? All righty, have a good night, and I'll talk to everyone on the 28th.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.